Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit, charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling. Let's get started. Today's guest, Marwin Begay, is an internationally exhibited printmaker, painter, and nationally recognized graphic designer. As Associate Professor of Painting and Printmaking at the University of Oklahoma's School of Visual Arts, his research has been concentrated on issues of cultural identity, especially the intersection of traditional American Indian culture and pop culture. I've known Marwin for quite some time and have stalked him for ages about a body of work that he created ages ago, titled, What's Your Sugar? Diabetes in Indian Country. We're here in Oklahoma, and there is a lot to talk about with the diabetes culture and the Native American culture. So Marwin, question right off the bat, do you have diabetes? Let me start off by introducing myself. My name is Marwin Begay, and you know, that's this traditional protocol just to acknowledge your connection to or your relationship to people and to the earth and to the surroundings, the space that you occupy. You're, you're just acknowledging that to keep things in balance. Mm. And that's going to be the theme for today is, is balance. And no, I don't have diabetes and I was close and it was a good thing that started kind of listening to my body and listening to, I, it feels like I'm still listening to my body as it changes. And anyway, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Well, with your medical community, and I don't know because I am only familiar with the Chickasaw Nation and I've gone to their clinic. I see how they treat people pre-diabetic and people living with diabetes. And they do a phenomenal job. So did they tell you at some point that you were pre-diabetic and that, hey, we need to work on some things? Actually, no, I, I didn't get diagnosed through them. I got diagnosed through a holistic doctor. Nice. Um, we were trying to, when my son was young, he was like three or four years old. And we were trying to figure out what was wrong with him. He was he had some issues that, that we were trying to kind of figure out. His nose was runny and he was reacting to, to certain foods. And so we sat down with this doctor and he was telling us, he, he was asking us, like, you know, do we have diabetes within our family, our families? And if we were allergic to things and mm. kind of trying to figure out where, where to start. Yeah. And so... He did this test and my son was, his favorite drink at the time was strawberry milk, right? And it was the, the, the only way that he was satisfied at, at, at that time. And so when he got tested, he had a milk allergy, a lactose mm-hmm. allergy, and then also a sugar allergy. 
So then the uh, doctor was like, well, since I have the equipment out, let's just test you guys. And so he tested us and he was like, what foods do you really crave? Right. Cause usually that those cravings are, are the ones that your body does not need. I understand. <laughs> so, I understand that. Please. Yeah. That, that whole addiction that, that yeah. our, our mindsets and stuff. So, so then he tapped my wife and we were kind of joking around at the time and it was the thing that we didn't want to admit was, or we didn't want to happen was having an allergy to, to caffeine because we both <laughs> really love our coffee, right? So we're just like, oh my God. And my wife was the lactose. Her reaction to, to lactose was really crazy. And so, mm. so then it came my turn and I was trying to figure out, it was going clean until it was through just a, uh, just a really crazy conversation. And at the time I was attending a lecture class here, here at the University of Oklahoma. And I said something to the point of, man, after I have a, a Coke, a Coca-Cola drink, I get really sleepy afterwards, like while I'm drinking it. And then he was like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 let's, let's wind that mm-hmm. back. Right. And so then he's like, so you have, what do you put in your coffee? And so he started kind of figuring mm-hmm. out what was getting me sleepy and w- what was getting me irritated at the time. And so it was like, we were like joking about it. We we're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. So, <laughs> so then he, he put the uh, caffeine and the way he did it was he checked our energy, right? Yeah. So we were holding on to some rods and he was checking out our um, energy with these little vials that he had. And that went off the chart and we're like, all right, so now we're down to three. So then it was the caffeine, the sugar Mm. and the cream, which is lactose, right? Yeah. And so we're like, okay. So then he was like, let's take out the caffeine. So he took out the caffeine and it was still off the chart. And then he was like, well, then let's take out the lactose and try that. And so then he took out the lactose while and the the energy was still the same it was way off the charts and he was like it's sugar he goes but let's just check so he puts the caffeine back in no effect Hmm. he puts the lactose in no effect and he was like there it is so through that it it just really became one of those life-changing moments where we realized as a family as, as a core family that we had to change the way, the way we approached food. And right? let me ask you, and, because the one, right off the bat, like two questions, A, at any point during this visit, did they test your blood sugar? No, no, okay. they Which didn't. It, it might not they, have been necessary. They could just, yeah. They, they could just tell by that, by those vials. Yeah. And <laughs> so we just detoxed for three days. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, after those three days, you will feel a difference. Hmm. Did you? And so, and, and we did, it was like, I could think a lot clearer. My energy level had changed within my son as well. And that's, that's when we kind of changed. We, we had to go through our kitchen and just really think about what had sugar in it. And so we were kind of getting rid of what we knew that had sugar in it. And you're both intelligent people. So did you guys like Google the shit out of this and be like, there's so many hidden sugars. I mean, it's incredible. Um, Well, now we are, but at the time the internet was still kind of 
kind of funky. You know, we were just, <laughs> we, we were happy that we were happy that it wasn't dial up still. Right. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so then we were taking my son to the, to the hospital down in Ada for, for the Chick Foundation. And they, they were wanting to prescribe him some experimental drug to see if that would work on mm-hmm. his, to help him get better. And just that idea of throwing pills and trying yeah. to diagnose without really trying to figure it out. We just felt like they had pushed us over the edge and we were giving drugs that they didn't even know the, the effect. The outcomes, yeah. of, and then we, we were kind of thinking like the long-term effect yeah. of, of the drug or the medication, I should say, which is why went to our, the uh, holistic doctor just yeah. to kind of figure it out. Oh, and then, like I said, we were just throwing stuff out that, that we knew that, that was kind of based in sugar. And then we started to really educate ourselves and yeah. flour and the different things. And so that kind of pushed us into a whole different category when we went grocery shopping, right? We were oh, absolutely. About that. So then we, our, our first time out, we got foods that we thought that, that we could eat. Then I, I got pushed back into trying to figure out why wasn't I feeling right again? Mm. And so then became our push to read ingredients and okay, then me- trying to figure out the different names yeah. of sugars. sugar and of all different kinds of sugars. And, mm-hmm. and at this point we were trying to figure out as well if it was strictly artificial sugars or yeah. cane sugars right. or was it natural sugars as well. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a lot of experimentation on, on my part. Right. And it was just, I would eat something and kind of wait and kind of see how feel you it and be like, no. So, and then you just go to a checklist and just kind of check that off and be like, no, that's, that's not for me. That's not for me. So then, you know, just, again, it's really reading the ingredient of foods now, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of fast forward now I'm really sensitive to gluten. Mm-hmm now becomes, you know, me, every time I go out and eat, I'm, I'm threading a needle every <laughs> time. And if the food, since if I go out to eat, I don't have control of the food. So I don't know what's in the food in the sauces. And so you have to educate yourself and to see if these things have been added. And if they have, I can feel it. Oh, you know, if, it says, if it says gluten-free or sugar-free, then... You know, I still don't believe it. Yeah, you know? I and still have to question I, it. I eat those products and <clears> it's just <throat> like, oh, well, no, this is, this is not right. This is wrong. This is, yeah. it's not gluten-free. It's not sugar-free. There's something in, in here. And so then now you're getting into the sugars that are so long that you can't spell it. And the same with gluten as well. You yeah. know, just really breaking it down into what has malt, what has, Way, meat, yeah. what has, and all the different names that they named these products. Yeah. So now it's, it's kind of steered away from processed foods, you know, yeah. and when I grew up, I grew up on the part of the uh, Navajo reservation where we, we hunted mm. and we also grew our own food. Mm-hmm. So I'm the first generation to kind of see both, right? Yeah. Because back in the seventies, McDonald's and Burger King were, were just amping up their, their whole campaign. Mm. And, but yet we live so far away from town that it, it wasn't necessarily, that wasn't our life until 
I got to be a teenager, then I had to move into town because there I had to go to school. Yeah. Right. So then then that become a little bit more exposed. Now I can tell, like every time I go to a family gathering, I can tell by the ticks and by how people are allergic and they don't know that they're yeah. allergic. I've, I went through that and I'm just like, oh, do you hear that cough after? And my niece was like, yeah, I, I can hear it. I was like, that's because he's allergic to, or they're allergic yeah. to gluten. Yeah. And do you, do you see that tick right there? That's, that's a sugar tick. And that's, <laughs> they're like, how do you know this? Because I used to have it. And I, well, used, and to, it, I used to feel that way. So. It's one of those things too. And I got to say, I applaud you and your family for taking the time. You know, I know this was a while ago that that all started, but people don't know today how to read labels. They don't understand yeah. that there are 75,000 words for sugar or gluten. I'm gluten-free. That's by choice. But it's because like you, I realized when I ate certain things, I was like, yeah, I just am tired. I just don't feel great. I don't, I've got a little bit of brain fog and removing certain things from my diet throughout my life was a personal choice. No medical mm-hmm. team has ever said, Hey, maybe you should try this. I mean, I've yeah. been tested for a gluten allergy. I don't have it, but I still know that I feel better without it. That's not offense to the gluten community, but you, no. have, I mean, it's just like, and one of the questions I ask every guest these days, and it's apparent now that you live in Norman, do you have access to fresh fruits and vegetables within a two mile radius? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I think about the earlier years when you were talking about like, you're limited. Yeah. I mean, no, no. With the passion of things have become so heightened now, but when I was first diagnosed, it was completely like yeah. the Atkins diet was still trying to get its its grip and in the whole diet thing, and you know, and it's just like one of those things where it it was so early, and it was the whole self education as well in chemistry, and it was the yeah. whole. It was in, into what what happens to your body, right? Mm. And then that kind of kicked me off into doing artwork about it, about yeah. this whole experience and just trying to figure it out, you know, trying to figure out what sugar does, what carbonation does to the bone, to the yeah. bone marrow. And it was this thing where back in high school or in college where it was, this stuff didn't appeal to me. Yeah. Until until I have experienced it. And then I was constantly looking at how it affected me and just kind of taking mental notes of that. Mm. And at the same time, I was a graphic designer at, at the time. I was, I was a freelance graphic designer. And one of my clients was kind of dealing, trying to address the diabetes within Indian country, right? Mm-hmm. They, were, they were trying to figure out how, how to tell people to stay away from certain foods and all of that. And you know, having gone through this experience and realizing the outcome, I just, I felt like they were one, they were being too nice about it. Right? Oh. They were being, they were like, well, you should, it's, it's a suggestion. And they're maybe, tiptoeing into it. They're not being like in your face. Hey, this shit is. Yeah. Similar. Yes. And yeah. So just being a, a descendant from a whole lot of very opinionated, matrilineal ladies mm. they are constantly tearing us apart because they're opinionated you know and they're native people and they're they're raw right they're, and 
<clears throat> so that that side finally kicked in on me and i was like you just gotta you know you just i was throwing f-bombs around you just gotta tell them you gotta you, know, you gotta be truthful with them <laughs> and it's almost a point to where it was like a scare tactic right yeah to get them to realize this is serious this is really serious yeah. and i started creating the, the, these works and i started working being my background of being a graphic designer i started looking <laughs> at what I knew, the packaging and the science that goes behind the packaging and the colors and the, you know, all, all of this stuff really appealed to me, but I've never really applied it until this happens to me. And so then I started to try to figure out how to reverse that into yeah. the, the packaging and looking at the logos. And I started to redesign logos and instead of one of the ones was that I did was the, the logo says enjoy Coca-Cola, but I changed the words around with using their same font and I just put enjoy diabetes. Yeah. And, and so that's so it, controversial. So controversial. Yes. Yes. And it was just like one of those things where it was, and then it was like cigarettes and it was just trying to think about different ways of even like a warning label. Yeah. on these cans would be too much of a consumption of it can cause this, right? Just yeah. a little bit of a warning, which I, I was telling a, a story this morning when I was teaching at an art camp in South Dakota over the summer. This was a while back. It was just right after I was diagnosed, right? And so I'm just like, everyone's eating, like in the morning, everyone's eating donuts and all that stuff. I'm just like, Sorry, I can't partake in your little morning ritual <laughs> with, your, with your donuts, even though it smells so good. <laughs> so then they started, the whole dietary phase started to kick in there mm -hmm. in South Dakota, where it was like authority to offer. They had an Atkins aisle, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> yay, <laughs> one of my coworkers found sugar-free chocolate chip cookies. And so she was so happy. She was like, oh my God. And so, and like a fool, I ate the whole thing in one sitting. And I was just like, oh, that tastes so good. Did it upset your stomach? As and as I'm kind of wrapping up the wrapper, I look at this little tiny font in there. It says, excessive consumption of this product may cause, may be caused as a laxative. And <laughs> no sooner than I read that sentence, and you're like, my oh, stomach you're started to rumble. <laughs> And we were like driving from, from Vermilion, South Dakota to <laughs> Omaha. And we were taking these, these kids in, a, in some vans and we were driving. And <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been through that little drive on I-70. There's nothing for an hour and a half. Ooh. Like there's not even a pull off or anything. So my stomach <laughs> got growling and just that whole experience. And the road, I, I was telling the story in class that, that the road, it kind of had a rise to it. Right? right. And so then there was a little kind of berm and then there was like cornfields. So, so we were technically up above the cornfields. And so I kept telling the driver, I was like, at any time you can I'm pull over. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I want to go hit the, go, go do the cornfield. And, <laughs> and then, and I realized that how high we were because we were in an Econo van and then we were on this berm that if I did that, the kids could see everything. Like there was no hiding. <laughs> oh my God. Worst case so, scenario. <laughs> yes. And so that's, 
you know, that's, you know, and, and it's like ex- experiences like those that really, that I, I come across. Yeah, they're funny now, but then those are some of the things. And so I just make art about those crazy situations. So I'm going to talk about your art. Hold on. I got to say one thing really quick because I was so I was diagnosed at AJ and at the time Sooner Fashion Mall was just growing and there was a chocolate stand and they finally I remember walking by and it was like they had sugar free chocolate. And I I mean, of course, I was my mom. They would have bought me anything at that point. And I was probably 12. So they bought me a block of white chocolate. Oh, my gosh. I ate it all. Because, I mean, it was sugar-free, right? It technically yeah, was yeah. not sugar-free. I spent days in the bathroom. Days. Because it was a straight-up laxative. And so it's like it's an ongoing joke in the diabetes community. If the word sugar-free is on anything sweet, you're going to poop your pants. I mean, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, getting around yeah, it. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah, I just make art about, about, about these situations. And why do they have a label on the bottom? And not a label on on the product, right? right? I'm just like, it's easy. It's just just put a label on there, and then then you'll be you'll be good. Just as as a warning. And so I started looking at different the different packaging, and again back to the artwork. And I started, and at the same time, I was kind of researching what your mind did, right? What yeah. how your mind and your body were were processing these chemicals. And I read somewhere that, you know, just that addiction, that idea of addiction, you get addicted to sugar as you are as addicted to crack. Absolutely. Sugar is more addictive. Because you're constantly wanting it and you're constantly wanting your fix. And so I was, I was taking the, the artwork and again, I was wanting to scream it. Right. I, I was wanting to be very upfront about it and to try to change people's habits when, yeah. they, when they went grocery shopping. And at the time, there was, there was this whole movement happening. It was in, in the art. It was called culture jamming, where you would come up with these logos oh. that look like real logos, but they were kind of jamming your, your thoughts. Absolutely. Kind of yeah. You think about they make you think about the uh, consequences and, yeah. and all of that. And so I started doing that and I started kind of playing with, in my woodblock, I started playing with the idea of the skeleton. Yeah. So I was, I was looking at the Mexican printmakers and mm-hmm. how they were re- revolting against the president at the time, mm-hmm. but yet they were also using printmaking as a medium as as a medium to reach the masses. And mm-hmm. if you go out through history, you'll you'll see printmaking doing that. It happened in China and it, and it happened in Europe where people were creating these woodblocks to create, to almost like mass communication. And you know, um, I, when you and, say it like that, let me say layman's terms in my world, I'm thinking that's kind of like graffiti art. I mean, it's something that's in yeah. your... It, would you say that's comparable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's a form of that. And so within Navajo culture, we're encouraged not to deal with death in, in a certain yeah. sense. And so I was trying to figure out how I could use the skeletons because <laughs> they were cool and how to get my message across. At the time, I was kind of asking elders and asking could I do this? And I was trying to figure out 
how to stay behind the line, but yet lean over into the other side and to, to good really, on you for pushing the envelope on that. Did the elders have yeah, any pushback? And so it was, it was really kind of one of those things that, that happened. So I kind of figured it out and I finally told myself, you just got to do it and you got to pay at, at some point you're going to have to pay for making this decision culturally. And so I just took a leap off and I started creating these woodblocks. And one of them is, I, it was kind of a play off of the end of the trail here mm. at that, the big sculpture mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma at, at the Cowboy. And I put a skeleton on horseback and the skeleton's kind of slumped over. And in, in the background, there is a Burger King. I have their their logo and, and McDonald's, I think I changed it to McDeath or something like that. And they're, they're kind of rising above the character. And at the same time, I was trying to address that idea of a, of a stereotype as well. Yeah. Of native people. So I, I had some underlaying happening with this. And when I came up with that image, I was kind of thinking about if I felt that bad, how many more people feel as bad as I do? That's a fact. And they don't even realize it because they live in that state of uncomfortable all the time. So that's their normal. That's their normal. Yeah. And it's just kind of one of those things where, and then I started thinking about the people in Native America. If I figured out that I I came close, how many of them don't know? And so I started to use the skeletons and using different visual cues. Uh, different visual elements to speak to them, right? Mm-hmm. To using feathers and using little cultural items that, that I knew that they would recognize. And once they saw those, then they were like, oh, he's talking to me. He's not yeah. just making like a general statement. And so I, I started using just a bunch of these and I started making a bunch of wood blocks. And, yeah. and at the same time, I was experimenting. I was kind of playing around to see what the effect was. And at the same time, I was developing more and more logos that, that were yeah. these culture jamming logos. And then I started to get some traction in getting a little bit more visibility in gallery settings. And so yeah. I, was, I just started to, to exhibit these. And... I, is, I want to say something really quick because the piece that okay. why this all started, we have a Marwin and I have a mutual friend and it doesn't matter who that is, but I was house sitting for her and it was when I first started the podcast with my friend Ryan and there's a screenshot of us recording it. And in the background is one of your pieces in her home. And I'll never forget for marketing purposes, we were like we're looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and blowing it up and whatever. I was like, holy shit, that's a glucometer. And the blood sugar was like 306 or 360. I mean, it was, and then I saw a bottle of insulin. I'm like, what? This is what we're, I mean, this is, I was blown away. And so that is, and that's how I learned about what you were doing. Mm. And let me say, and it had a hamburger. I mean, there were a couple other things there. There was, there are wings on something. And oh, I, yes, yes. Do you there know what I'm talking that, about? That, yeah, that's, there is the, the syringe. And yes. Um, the the blood sugar then Ooh. those were the angels those were descending from the sky like angels and in the center there was the 
I guess, like a number one or like, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a combo meal or yeah. right there. That's um, it. So while, while I was working on this body of work, my nephew at the time, he was eight and he gets diagnosed with type one as well. Mm. And since our family had was already kind of thinking on that in that phase, it was a shock to yeah. his mom and his brothers and sisters and the grandma because it, it affected a child. And so now everyone kind of gotten activated in, in thinking this way. And isn't and it crazy so, that that's the motive? I mean, that's a great motivation. And I want to quote something really mm-hmm. quick and I want to continue this. Yeah. Something that I researched earlier because there's so many facts out there and I looked at a number of between the CDC and this group in particular is why I'm quoting this. According to the National Indian Council on Aging, American Indians and Alaska Natives are the highest diabetes prevalence rates of all racial and ethnic groups in the U.S. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention predict that one in two American Indian Alaska Native children born in 2000 will have type 2 diabetes in their lifetime unless the current trend is halted. Final thing. More than 16% have been diagnosed compared to 8.7% of non-Hispanic whites. One in six American Indian and Alaska Native adults have been diagnosed with diabetes, more than double the prevalence rate for the general U.S. population. I will do a follow-up episode uh, with a new podcast series that I'm doing called Just the Facts. But I want to know, and this is not something we can speak to, why are... Why is the Native American population the highest hit with diabetes numbers? I mean, changing diet and lifestyle, but that still doesn't. Is one, it's trauma. Trauma. Uh, 600 years of trauma. I get that. Um, or being, there's all kinds of trauma. There's displacement. There is yeah. change of lifestyle. Yeah. There's, and now if you go to some of the, the reservations, you go to some of these convenience stores, you know, all they have are, there is no good options, right? There, food there desert. Is no... It's a straight up food desert. There are no fruit, fresh yeah. fruit. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're not living traditionally or, or if you're not in some communities, they fish and some communities they hunt. But if, if you're not in that situation, then your only option is this convenience store. Mm. Well, let me ask Um, you, and not that you can speak to this, but I spoke with someone who was here for the IHS. Is that correct? Indian Health Service. Uh, There was a conference here Mm -hmm. a few years back, and I took some tribal members from Arizona down to the Chickasaw Nation to show them what they were doing. And something that I learned, which kind of blew my mind, was the fact that there's shame associated with that, that diagnosis, and that it's a, don't quote me, and I don't want to be disrespectful to the people that spoke to me about this, but it's like a, a rite of passage. This is something that your spirit or something has happened in the past. And diabetes is what you get for something that happened. And I mean, it was just bl- mind blowing. It's not something that you talk about. Yeah. No, it's, it, I find it's true. But w- when I go and get my eyes checked or, yeah. or all of that, they're assuming that I have diabetes and I right. have to correct them. I'm like, no, you're wrong. You don't even know. Yeah. And my response is, why aren't you guys out there leading the front against getting against diabetes? This, right. Yeah. Why aren't you guys leading the march mm. in them? It's a great question. But then 
they get, you know, it's just that I, I see it as a wicked, a wicked cycle. Yeah. Of the pharmaceuticals are given them and they yeah. have to, you know, and then the money part and then it's crazy, but the, the assumption that I have diabetes, you know, yeah. how, how rude is that? It's like how, Fact. and so I'm just like, no, you know, dude, I'm, I don't eat gluten. I don't, I don't do cane sugar swim every day and I take a load of load of vitamins and you know who gives you that right to be so judgmental about yeah how I'm I'm living my life yes I'm fluffy but it's you know it's <laughs> word on the street that's what the ladies like I don't know yeah so anyway <laughs> you know I would get insulted and and my family just just kind of laughs because I'm constantly being called a woman that's what <laughs> Yeah. And so it just kind of adds on and they, they kind of tease me about it. Cause you're so, so proactive like, in your healthcare. Yeah. 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 And it, it kind of blends in, in with Derek as well. So they're, they're very conscious of that and they're very conscious. Yeah. But now, now I'm feeling the effects of processed food, mm. right? The preservatives and the pesticides and all of that. I'm, I'm really becoming really sensitive to that way of life or that those and what's in the product like even mm. soap i have to watch what kind of soap i get because i'm i get a reaction and i i wasn't able to get the vaccine because mm. of the chemicals or the agent the, yeah the vehicle that, that they use mm-hmm. for to to deliver the covid vaccine i'm allergic to oh wow so so many um, factors yeah. And it's just, again, it's, it's just like threading a needle. And I think all of that is because of the pesticides and the things that, that we use to preserve the food to last longer, to stay longer on the shelves. Well, and I think, well, that's a valid point. And I think that there's another number of other factors there with genetic press. I can't say the words. I can't pronunciate it right now. There are a lot of factors involved. And we're finally realizing through the medical community and the holistic medical community, the factors of gut health and all these other things. And I'm good on you and your family for taking a, you're proactive in the very beginning to figure out, Mm -hmm. and you're talking about it. And I, I want to end this podcast with the fact that again, your body of work, and I hope to have pictures in the show notes and things like this, because, and I've written a post about that one piece of art that I mentioned in in Julie's home. Mm That spoke, it was ways to me. I mean, I just think about your career path and everything that you're doing. Maybe there's a way to create a new marketing campaign, not specifically to the Native American community, but for overall, this is a, a mm-hmm. movement that we've got yeah. to recognize. Yeah. Well, when when I was creating this work, I was only speaking to to one audience and I did not consider it to be more of a larger community, right? right. That, that was the powerful part of that, of, of this, is that it's breaking those barriers and, or realizing that you're speaking to the world now yeah. and, and you're, it's a much larger kind of thing. And I get asked all the time, so what's going to happen if, if the companies come after you? And, and it's like, they're not going to do anything. <laughs> what are they going to do? You know, Sue you is like, take what I got. I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. Take it all. Please. <laughs> I can start over. <laughs> take all the junk. You can take it over. So no, and, and it's, 
just one of those things where some of these logos, they also have a sense of humor yeah. behind them. As I did one piece about Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Speaking mm-hmm. to, to the chicken and the being fried and all of that. I did the, the same logo as the Colonel, but I changed them into a skeleton and I put some horns on, on him. And I changed the KFC logo to FKD. How does that, what is that? And it just sounded out phonetically. And so kind of playing, playing with that, having a sense of humor about that. And that piece always kind of gets me and it always cracks me up because people are always fried Kentucky death. Like, no, just sound it out. FKD. <laughs> oh, yes. It took me a second. My God, that's terrible. Yeah. Come on. Well, and I think so, one of the, good and- things, the good things for you is that art is, in my experience over the past 25 years, when I was really involved in it is, Art is supposed to spark interest in con- I mean, conversations. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what you're doing or did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's coming back now. Now that I'm more sensitive to, to food now, Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's coming back full circle. And I'm kind of thinking about some of the stories that I was told. And as, as I was doing the, these exhibitions, people would tell me the most wicked okay. stories their diabetes stories within their families. They were sad and they were very heavy and they were, there was nothing that I could do about it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't give advice because I'm not allowed to. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just pointing this out and they they had to share. And so I started working with the, wherever I exhibited, I started working with the local IHS. Yeah. Diabetes. And so I would invite them to come out to take people's blood sugar and yeah. to have pamphlets and just to have presence within our community. And yeah. what I started requiring for the host, the host venue was that they, they had to, for the reception food, they had to, they had to gluten-free have something and that was healthy. Yeah. I love that. Gluten-free and sugar-free. And so that they were like, whoa, what, what is this? And at the end of the night, everything would get eaten up and they would be yeah. like, whoa, that is so crazy that it was like, we had fresh strawberries, we had yeah. fresh, everything was fresh and we were constantly relying on the processed food. It's so, it's so crazy. That's you went above and beyond advocacy with that type of stuff. It's like you're walking the walk and talking the talk. I mean, yeah, making it to the, I mean, to that point, because I've hosted a million openings and that's a great request. Let's have some healthy options. Yeah. And, simple. and still to this day, I hear from people saying, I, I was really hungry and I pulled into McDonald's and all I could see was that image you made. <laughs> so I drove yeah. out. Like I didn't oh. like, I, it's just, there was a grocery store there. And so we just went in and we, we had some healthy and then, yeah. and that was what, that was 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, And they're still remembering that. And, and I love how that the imagery is kind of seared into, into their brain and into changing that thought of, yeah. of being healthy, you know, ch- changing those patterns as I guess what my intention and really, as I said at the beginning was how do we maintain that balance? Yeah. How do we maintain that, that balance within our lives and within our choices? And within the Navajo culture, there's a phrase that, that we use. It's called, or 
you say it, and that is everlasting life in a, in a sense, and it really, it doesn't really quite give it, but then it does. And that everlasting life, meaning it's how we live our life, and it kind of stays balanced of male yeah. and female. Yeah. And good and evil. We're constantly, every day, we're, we're constantly kind of teetering either way, having too much of one. Yeah. <laughs> of something, like if you have too much good, then it throws yeah. it off balance, right? <laughs> or if too much bad, it throws it off balance. And so we have to maintain that and with our choices as well and the way we think and the way we plan and who we are and our relationship to the earth and to the other beings that occupy that space, right? Like the birds and the insects and being responsible for that community or, or that space. Yeah. You know, those ideas, that's, that's the concept. Yeah, that's the concept of that uh, of Satnavibic Ahoshon, and so maintaining that balance, and that and that's who what gives us our identity. Yeah. Hey, I right. really so, appreciate that, and I'm going to listen to this like 75 times so I can pronunciate it correctly. Yeah, I, I, that's something I I feel like I need to say every day to the world, you know, yeah. the universe. And it just kind of brings back to th- that balance. And so, which, which is why when I introduce myself, I'm, I'm, yes, it's the physical world, but yet, yet there's also the acknowledgement to the other world, right? Yeah. The, the other world that, that we're in, I guess the uh, supernatural world and yeah. stuff that the air that <laughs> I get it can feel their presence. <laughs> yeah. And anyway. And this thing kind of balance with that. And when we enter new places, we can introduce ourselves like that. And then they know they're like, oh, okay, they, <laughs> he introduced himself to us. So we're okay. We're, he, he's cool, but he's a goofball kind of thing. He's kind of <laughs> tricky in that way. So well, yeah. Yeah. And just being, being an artist kind of really gives me access to some of these spaces yeah. that we normally don't see. Right. So it's kind of crazy because I'll find myself sitting at the health science center talking with doctors mm-hmm. about this is how you did it, but this is, this is how I would go about this. Yeah. And they'll be like, whoa, 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 what? what? <laughs> That's crazy, but it makes sense. Right. Yeah. And so why don't we try it that way? And then they, they get success and it's like, okay, crazy. I and love hearing so that I, for I think, sure. I think making art and doing art art about it about this experience has really gotten me into places that I, I wouldn't have known to kind of enter. Yeah. And space is different. Yeah. Yeah. And so I stopped doing that series just because it just got too heavy and I, and I got, mm-hmm. I, I just scared the crap out of people all the time with it. And, and some people still, still remember it. They're like, Hey, do you still have that piece that scared the crap out of me and, and made me change the way I eat? So I'm like, yep, I do. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, if it's not in your face, well, s- some people are going to react to it differently than others. And somebody might need to see that piece of art instead of a, hey, you, your chances of kidney failure are 10 times more than a white person because you might have diabetes. So having that 
yeah. in your face healthcare versus, oh my gosh, I saw that skeleton with this, that, and the other. That's going to resonate with somebody differently. Yeah. Message yeah. is still the same, and just said in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I get asked that all the time. Do you, do you have diabetes? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm just. Well, and, good for you. Yeah. You know, just, just watching what I eat and mm-hmm. staying healthy and, and, and just knowing that it could turn any, any moment, right? Sure, it, for it, all it of us. It, it's close. Yeah. It's close, right? The older we get, and, the more chances are to have time. Yeah. Not yeah. 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 <laughs> and just, just experiencing my nephew with who, who has type one, which really kind of changed, you know, mm-hmm. even the way I teach now, it, it's like in my studio, in, in my teaching studio, it, it's like having the peanut butter and having crackers. Cause you don't know, yeah. you don't know who, who, yeah. who has it and who doesn't. And so hey, having those around is really helpful. And, yeah. and people who, who do have diabetes, they understand. They're like, absolutely. Oh, okay. Hey, thank you. Yeah, is I, what, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know what you have, you know, I, I know. And I was like, yeah, cause being caught off guard is really, yeah. it was really kind of scary, which has, has happened a couple of times with, yeah. with my nephew and, but knowing what to do, yeah. knowing, being there and be prepared, I think that's what, what I'm doing now. Well, and thank you, Marwin, so much for your contributions to the art world and the diabetes space, even if it's nonchalant. It's definitely making a difference, and I've never forgotten that piece. As I wrap up, I want to remind you that I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called diabetes is a daily grind and the daily grind and it grinds and grinds. Got to watch what you're eating.